Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up. A marketing hill I would die on would be networking. And I love networking. I mean, that's how like I think we got connected in the first place is because I'm extremely persistent and I reach out to people. I shoot my shot. I just go for it. And the amount of things that I've gotten just because I've put myself in a position to like of like humility where I'm like, hey, like I'm going to just ask. And if somebody says yes, they say yes. And that's amazing. And you never know what that could lead to. And if they say no, like, so what? Like move on with your life. How can you create a better experience for your prospects, automate the handoff to sales, and fill your pipeline with product leads? The answer, Canly. Visit Canly.com for your personalized demo. What's up, Gigi? Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. This is super exciting, and I'm really excited to talk to all you millennials listening. I want to first get into how did you get into your social media journey and marketing in general? I have always been involved with marketing in the visual and creative aspects. I started photography at a very young age because I had to give up competitive swimming when I was diagnosed with a genetic chronic illness and it caused me debilitating pain. And so art became the way that I really was expressing myself. And as I got older and went through high school, I was like, wait, I'm seeing things in marketing campaigns, you know, that don't sit well for me. And I'm able to spot Photoshop and it's not really representational of what me and my peers are viewing in terms of confidence and in terms of self-worth. And I wanted to translate that through my photography. And so I started by thinking I was going to be going into the advertising and, you know, photojournalistic realm of marketing, kind of, you know, an image is worth a thousand words kind of thing, and do movie posters and billboards and, you know, not use Photoshop and just really go that way. And when I got to USC in Los Angeles, that quickly changed. I joined a social media club called USC Reach, which still exists to this day. And it was founded by some content creators, digital marketers, and, you know, just creator economy related people. And that's kind of what sparked it. And I went from one day shooting and doing the videos behind the scenes to jumping in front of it. And I think the rest kind of unfolded over my undergrad and grad school. So you're really passionate about social media, but I want to dive into how to think about for everybody out there, how to think about marketing on social media to Gen Z specifically. The first things first that like we need to address is that 30% of our workforce is Gen Z, like by 2023. That means that like that is a to me that's a pretty significant amount of the population that's still working and I think generally people view Gen Z as like young, 
childish, you know, yes, we have purchasing power, a, a very significant purchasing power right now. And people genuinely do think of us as this like young, fresh group that, you know, maybe needs this like youthful material. But I think we need to kind of break that down a little bit more and realize like a lot of the issues Gen Z cares about have to do with um, politics. It has to do with healthcare. It has to do with human rights, um, marriage equality, racial equality, climate justice. I mean, so many different things are at the forefront of what Gen Z believes in. And that itself can touch every single piece of marketing. And so when I see a campaign that's highlighting diverse creators, I'm like, honestly, yes, like go off. Like I'm so happy to see this inclusivity in a way that it hasn't been really done before or addressed. And it's giving people and amplifying these other amazing creatives um, in spaces where they traditionally were not. And I think, you know, to state the obvious, influencer marketing specifically has played a huge role in this, um, especially over the past two years where creators are kind of talking to each other about how much they're getting paid. And we're realizing like, wow, people aren't getting paid the same thing. And what is that based on? It's not necessarily based on numbers. It's based on um, like who you are and your ethnicity and um, your beliefs sometimes, which people don't outwardly want to say, but that has been proven. And um, I think Gen Z can honestly see right through that. And so I know I'm potentially going in a million different ways right now, but I think that it's really important first and foremost, when you're making a campaign marketed specifically to Gen Z, think about the values first. I think it should be a values-based marketing and then the production of it all will come after that. Because without, without that true solid belief or kind of like amplification that you're trying to get across in the campaign, Gen Z will just immediately be like, scroll, (laughs) next, (laughs) don't care. How do you evaluate if it's that the campaign that someone's doing that is highlighting all the things that you said is authentic or not? Because I'm just interested because I think a lot of people could just talk the talk, but doesn't mean that translate to walking the walk as a, a brand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally am a little bit, how should I say it? I went to a research school, so I like to be very thorough um, before working with a brand. So I usually go to their website. I look at on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll double check to see who I'm working with. I'll see who is in positions of power there. Do they have a you know diverse group of marketers on their social team or on their influencer team or on their brand marketing team? And all of those things are important to me because, again, with the talking the talk and walking the walk, you can have a diverse campaign come from the influencer marketers and still have people on the brand marketing team marketing to like, you know, their products or something, you know, a little bit different than the influencer world and have it be completely different and or have completely different kinds of people doing that. And without that really like unity and co-creation, I think it usually ends up in a really mixed view of the company. And I think, you know, a company that's doing this really well is like Clark's Originals is absolutely killing it. If you you know go to their website and you look at the activations that they do and the people that they work with, I mean, they are constantly amplifying um, different people of color and they are also working with a bunch of different influencers across backgrounds, um, across fields. And I think that really makes them holistic and um, even deeper. Like I personally will look at what is their corporate sustainability effort, right? And how are they also innovating on the product to eliminate waste 
waste and to recycle more and to be more respectful of the environment and so on and so forth. And I will say not every person is going to be doing this. In fact, I think most people probably don't. And so as we move forward, I would say to brands and to influencer marketers specifically, the question is like, are you truly aligned with the company that you're working at and that you're asking people to promote? Or is it simply transactional? Because again, like having been doing this for like over five years, I definitely can see through when a company is just like throwing money at, at something. I want to go through the other perspective too, because you're a content creator. So how, how should brands approach Gen Z influencers, content creators to create a great working relationship with them? How should they deliver a brief? How should they think about that campaign before they go to a Gen Z content creator? Absolutely. I mean, I think, again, like including Gen Z is extremely important because our purchasing power, according to Business Insider, is about $143 billion, which is very significant. And that's not only because we're on social media and consuming it, it's because we also have the influence to take something that we saw online and go home and influence our friends and family about it um, and be like, hey, look, I saw this cool thing on the internet. Like, we should try it. Or they just simply order it because it's so accessible that it could they could get it in like two days from Amazon. And if they don't like it, they could just like send it right back. So I think I think that's really, really interesting. But in terms of creating a campaign, I mean, I like to think and work in a way that's very conversational. I don't like being, you know, here's a brief, here's the deliverable, here's the budget, do what you do and we'll approve it and get it live. I like a customized brief, you know, good good brands. And I'm saying that in air quotes because I've worked with tons of brands that don't do this. But when they do go this extra mile to really curate a brief that's specific to you and your niche as a creator, it gives you this like sense of brand loyalty. It's like they want to work with you. They want to make it a good experience for you. They want to make it seamless. And they're trying to provide as much as they can about it to really make sure that you can, as a creator, can deliver and create the value that they're seeing in you um, or investing in you. And so that's really important to me as a brief, um, number one, that's customized. Number two is even if it's, a 10-minute call. We're not talking about like 30 minutes, an hour. I need 10 minutes just to go over verbally like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Um, you know, these are the shots. This is what I'm going to like exactly how I'm doing the campaign. It always just makes the workflow easier because it avoids that whole like, oh, edit this, edit that. We don't like this. We don't like that. And that just could have been avoided over a call. So if you can make time with your creators to do a 10 minute call uh, just to go over like what they're shooting and everything, I think it genuinely makes a huge difference in the whole process. Uh, and number three, you know, when you are working with creators, they're freelancers, they're 1099s, they're W9s. And so at the end of the day, like they need to be paid in a timely manner. And when a brand doesn't do that, it makes me not want to work with them again. It makes it very frustrating to, you know, have to go through months and months waiting for payments from a campaign that you maybe did like three, four months ago. And that wouldn't really happen in a normal world, uh, in a normal nine to five and 
given being a creator is not that. So uh, that's important. And in terms of the actual campaign itself, I know I'm going a little bit into like the content process for the campaigns themselves. I mean, I try to find um, this one campaign that I did. It was for I'm going to have to think about what exactly it was for, but it was through Her Campus, which is a marketing company that's female founded. They're absolutely incredible. And they had um, in their influencer division like a group call. So everybody who was in the campaign could like interact and see one another. And that was amazing for me, not only because I got to network with these other creators and the brand basically set us up to do that. But it also gave me the ability to like double check like, hey, just wanted to see like, did you get paid this much? Or like, are you going above and beyond to create something? Are you just shooting on iPhone? Like, what are you doing? And it's not to say that like, you should compare yourself to other creators. But I just think having conversations is is really important. And again, when when you can meet the people in charge, you can ask the questions about like, are you working with other diverse creators? Are you putting money into different campaigns and different narratives? I mean, I've I've also seen companies like say they want to try a vertical that's outside of like a UGC style thing and they try it and they're like, we don't like this, but at least they tried it and at least they put some money into it. So I think also it's it's a big test right now to see what works and when it works. I want to dive into a little bit of like, what are the challenges with social media these days that you're seeing um, that has changed through the five years you've been doing this? I mean, I think first and foremost, the biggest change has been the amount of time maybe that we're spending on social. And I mean, influence from online has really existed for quite a while Obviously, we've seen it go from celebrity to, you know, now you're everyday, you're, you're, you're vlogger celebrity. And uh, now these TikTokers and people that are kind of rising up to fame overnight, and it's so much more rapid than it used to be, which I think is the biggest change. It's like you automatically are going to trust somebody because they have a giant following, right? Which is really an interesting concept because it kind of takes away from the whole idea of being authentic. It's like you want to get to know somebody and that's why people are, you know, investing in these micro creators and nano creators now with under, you know, 500K, under 100K is because they, you know, quote unquote, have a more authentic and engaged audience versus these bigger creators who kind of don't even have a touch with their audience anymore. And so, We've also, you know, not to mention, but we've been through a pandemic, which is definitely, I think, shaped a lot when it comes to the influencer marketing world. Because again, we realize like people don't want necessarily a super staged thing. They they want a whole like organic. I woke up like this kind of thing, but with their phone and um, for a social post. And I think that concept's really interesting, and it's also difficult for full-time creatives like who use cameras and do productions uh, because like that's what we grew up doing. That's what I grew up doing. So for me, the biggest shift has been like stay true to yourself and everything else will come versus the mainstream people saying, use your iPhone. We only want iPhone. We only want UGC. And I'm still like, no, I'm going to like put my blinders on and stay super narrow and focused with like what I know I want to do. 
that's been a challenge. It's been a, a huge shift. And then the other thing that I think has really shifted with this influencer marketing world is really just like the way that we're thinking about marketing. I mean, I get PR from brands to use in my everyday life or to wear to a red carpet. And it's no longer just like me in my bedroom. It's me out in the world. And I think that's like been super great. But it's also, I think, a lot about like waste. And, um, you know, is it necessary to really send 50 or 100 creators like, you know, a special PR box with a suit for a voting campaign or a mic for a holiday campaign and so on and so forth. And so I, while I do appreciate and I'm extremely grateful for all the gifts, it can be extremely overwhelming. And I'm kind of like, what's the point? Like I get so much stuff. What's the, what's the point? And ultimately creators, I think successful creators have an engaged enough community where they can use it and, or they can send it out for a giveaway and be like, I'm doing a giveaway uh, because I have too much stuff. And here's my, my personal touch on it. And I'll write you a personal note. And again, that, that really builds the communities even further. And it's been this idea of really ownership over your community and how, how much do you truly influence them and how much are they willing to invest back into you by buying your stuff, buying your merch, you know, buying from your affiliate codes and et cetera. How can you create a better experience for your prospects, automate the handoff to sales and fill your pipeline with quality leads? Canly scheduling automation helps marketers convert high value leads and quickly connect them to sales. Visit Canly.com for your personalized demo. On that PR box subject, how do you come off authentic if you've never used that product before or you don't like that product and being out in public with all that stuff? Something that's like really important to note is like, are you going to have a personal relationship with every single product that you promote? I personally do because that's in my integrity to truly genuinely love products. I mean, I've used Logitech products my entire life. Have I used this mic that I'm using right now? I mean, I it's my first time using it, but I know that they're extremely good in the industry. And I figured, you know, let me give it a shot. And when I do an ad with them down the line, I think it's just going to be that much more important because I've talked about using this thing before. Also, when I do try new things, especially if it's like clothes or shoes or a bag, um, I wear it and I see how the post performs and I see like, do people like this outfit? Do they like what I'm wearing? And as I do walk more red carpets and go to more events uh, with Netflix, Warner Bros, I mean, all these these big companies are inviting me to their events to kind of create content and look <laughs> look good at and so when i when i show up i try to show up and show out and rep a brand and you know if if it does do well and it fits me well and it i like it then i'm going to talk about it online and it's just not in my integrity to work with a brand that i don't have a personal relationship to and i guess the question you're asking is like how could somebody theoretically who gets asked or who's getting a, a proposal from a brand, let's say it's like a couple grand and you're like, I can't pass this up. Um, how do you come off as authentic if you've never talked about it before online? I mean, I would genuinely spend like when you're in your, your negotiating phase with the brand, and this is also, I guess, for the brands to take note of, I would genuinely say like, hey, like 
I really appreciate you reaching out to me. This product is new to me and I'm super excited about the opportunity to work with you. Is it possible that you could send it to me and I could try it out for like a week and then we can, you know, potentially proceed with this this brand deal? It's kind of hard when these turnaround times can be so quick. So if a brand says, okay, yeah, like we're reaching out to you in the beginning of November for a campaign that's going to go live in the middle of December, I think that's plenty of time to, you know, go through that negotiating phase, get the product, try the product, create the content and post the content. But if a brand's asking for it within, you know, 10 days, that's not going to work. So you just have to be really realistic with yourself and also realize like if you do really want to make something work, like how does it fit into your own personal narrative, right? For me, I host Everything You Need Is Within and I go on a lot of podcasts and I do a lot of press interviews and I need good audio quality at home. And so it totally makes sense that a microphone would work for me. But for somebody who maybe is a makeup artist and they don't do any of this stuff and they're just like a brand's like, hey, here's this mic. You'd kind of be like, wait, what? I'm so, so confused. Um, So, yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my two cents. What is a marketing hill you would die on? A marketing hill I would die on would be networking. And I love networking. I mean, that's how like I think we got connected in the first place is because I'm extremely persistent and I reach out to people. I shoot my shot. I just go for it. And the amount of things that I've gotten just because I've put myself in a position to like of like humility where I'm like, hey, like I'm going to just ask. And if somebody says yes, they say yes. And that's amazing and you never know what that could lead to. And if they say no, like, so what? Like, move on with your life. I have reached out to so many amazing people on LinkedIn. And as a result, now I'm about to have potentially a dream partnership for next year that it comes full circle, like with Nikon. And I literally get like almost teary about this because when I first started my journey, I started shooting with my dad's Nikon camera. Um, I got a Nikon Coolpix as like a Christmas gift when I was you know a kid just to start shooting and really nurture those creative juices. And now that I talk about mental health and chronic health issues online on top of talking about tech and products like this, and I'm able to create my own dream partnership all because... I was on LinkedIn talking about camera gear and talking about mental health at the same time, and it caught the eye of somebody at the t- on the Nikon team. She then friended me, and we started talking, and then we got on the phone, and she was basically like, yeah, design your dream partnership and hit my line, and we'll see what we can do for next year. And that's just like, you literally never know. You literally never know what's going to happen. And so, yeah, networking in person and online is the hill that I will die on. (laughs) One of the best ways to network and you do this right now is content creation online because it's basically networking on scale. If you didn't make those posts online, you wouldn't have had that Nikon person reach out to you. And then that relationship would have built. So it is content creation is a way is a networking skill for scale. And I always think of content creation as really a, um, you know, it's, it's your digital p- portfolio and storybook, um, scrapbook, really, of what you're doing. And I've always had this lens because I didn't really want to take it so seriously to start with, right? Like, at first, I 
really was sharing my art and my life as a college student and managing, you know, burnout and stuff like that. And after that, during COVID, it really shifted when I started having health issues and dealing with ableism um, in my my school place, my school, my academics. And when that happened, I really had a couple choices. I could like speak out and I, I wasn't strong enough to do that. So I started documenting it and putting it online. And so I was speaking out online and it gave me this amazing community where people also felt the same thing. And that was heartbreaking and empowering because I knew that there still needed to be work done. I just think that without that situation and without my knowledge of social media at the time and transferring from the Fashion Institute of Technology to USC and going from, you know, a more trade school environment to a really kind of research institution was just like exactly what I needed to get shit done. And I'm just so, so grateful that it all happened that way. One thing that Gen Z is known for is like staying on top of trends. So what is the trend that you're seeing right now that marketers should jump on? The biggest trend happening in terms of the creator economy specifically is creators diversifying what they're doing. So it's no longer pay for a brand deal on my social pages. It's like, let's do a social media circuit where we're doing an Instagram live, we're we're cross posting, we're doing IG stories, maybe we're even doing something in person where we're like talking on a stage somewhere or on a panel at VidCon, um, sponsored by a brand, or maybe we're hosting an in person event or a pop up. And I think as creators diversify this, it really helps them build out their network effect um, with these professionals that I talked about, uh, you know, marketing with on LinkedIn, et cetera, et cetera. So I personally think that that diversification of the creator um, and how they're making money is the biggest thing that marketers should take note of and think about when they're thinking about their plans, especially as we're emerging into this post-COVID world where people want to get back in person and they want to meet other like-minded creators and collaborate. What advice would you give someone starting out their content creation journey now from all your experiences of being a content creator? It's so simple, but like just start. I think even I struggle with this to this day. And, you know, I've built a pretty large audience that I hope will continue to grow over the rest of my career. But the biggest thing that you could do is start. And when you think about it in terms of actual people and humanizing your audience, I think it can really help you get out of the digital world of like, I get this many likes or this many followers. Like we all start, we all started with zero followers at one point, right? We all started with zero listeners on a podcast or subscribers on a YouTube channel or TikTok channel, right? So to just to start and if you're if you gain you know your five closest friends then okay that's pretty cool you're talking to maybe like a cute little book club right um and then if you gain a hundred people you're talking to an entire college seminar and if you gain a thousand people you're speaking in front of you know a thousand people at a conference and if you get ten thousand people maybe you're in a stadium right and I think when you really humanize like how many people are actually, looking at your stuff and um, paying attention to what you're doing, it can really help you kind of gain this momentum and get out of the analysis paralysis stage of like, I'm not enough and I don't know where to start or what to do. And it's like, 
okay, well, why are you even on social media in the first place? Like, we need to figure out what we're doing. Like, is it for our business? Are we just trying to be a creator because we have a good idea? What's the good idea? Who are people in the field? Can you follow them? Can you network with them? Like, so many different things. But you can't do that if you don't start somewhere. Putting things in perspective is great because people chase like these big numbers, but they don't realize that uh, how much a hundred people is if they yeah. were talking to a hundred people in a room or a thousand Absolutely. people. So such a great point. That's why I like to tell CEOs too, is like when you're starting to, you can either go to a conference and go talk to people or you can give a keynote every single day on social media. You don't have to only go to conferences. You could be giving these like small keynotes every single day on social media. Yeah. Last question I have for you is, how should brands go and seek out diverse creators? Like, what are the best way to find diversity in creators? You know, when you're thinking holistically about a campaign, I would encourage research. I mean, <laughs> it's at our fingertips. Like, you can search up, you know, I mean, dep- depending on what you're trying to do, you could just search up tech reviewers. And, you know, hopefully there's going to be a diverse portfolio of them with the numbers that you need for your campaign, because at the end of the day, it does all relate to numbers. But with that, I'm I'm really genuinely, I, I really genuinely want to encourage brands and the people behind these campaigns to spend 30 minutes searching for the people that you're trying to do, right? Maybe you have four people that have over 100K, five people between the 50 to 100K range, and then everyone else is between 10K and 50K. And maybe you have five different creators for each. And it's a matter of, yes, the numbers, but also like who can you amplify who maybe didn't have this opportunity before? And just like research, do the work. Like we hear this term, do the work all the time. And this is something that really gets me frustrated that people misconceive about Gen Z is like, we don't do the work. But a lot of times I feel like people in the marketing world like are just like waiting for a cool creator to come up that's going to like save their campaign when in reality, like they're already out there. You just have to seek them yourself. And I think Gen Gen Z really does an incredible job of thinking holistically about, you know, marketing and campaigns. So I would say just do your best to look out there and whether you're including Gen Z or not, I hope that you do have a diverse portfolio of creators in your toolkit. And another thing that you can do is you can look at who your competitors are using and see like who's engaging with those people and look at the events that other people, other influencer marketing teams are putting on. Maybe it's a beauty team has, you know, a bunch of incredible people at an event and maybe their beauty, fashion and lifestyle. And maybe one of the pillars that a creator in lifestyle uh, is doing is also tech and you're a tech brand. And so you happen to find somebody there. So it's not only looking at those creators, but it's also looking at what other brands are doing and seeing and learning from other people. And I think the best way that you can get better at something is by learning to do it. And if you fail once, like, just learn, keep learning, right? You can fail fast and learn faster. That's my motto. I love that. I wanted to get to the last point is like, where could people find you? Where could people start following your journey? I'll give you the stage now. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You can find me anywhere um, on the internet. You could Google my name, Gigi Robinson, or all my social media handles are uh, the at symbol, the word it's, and then my name. So it's Gigi Robinson everywhere. And this has just been so much fun. I honestly am geeking out a little bit still that I even had the opportunity to come here um, and, and talk to you. And you're just so amazing. And thanks for holding this space for incredible marketers around the world. Well, thank you for coming on. You've been doing some amazing stuff on social media and advocating for different causes that are true to your heart. And I think a lot of more creators could do the same thing with their journey and advocate for things that they care about and the values, like you said at the beginning, be value-driven first. So thank you so much. Thank you again. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.